I was used to being connected to generations. Now, some of you may have had that also. I don't know. But in a small town, you can't help but be in everybody else's business, one, good and bad that goes with that. But there is this connectedness that you can't quite explain if you're in any form kind of leaning into it. For me, you know, I got to play sports. And so, yeah, it would be the, it would be the, uh, the little town store on Saturday mornings after playing Friday night and the old men sitting in front. And I thought they were old. They're not old because they're probably not much older than I am now, but thought they were old then. And they're debating and they're critiquing and they're kind of telling you what you should and shouldn't have done. And, and uh, it was just good. Grew, in a, grew up in a big family on the gentry side especially. My grandmother had 12 kids. My grandmother and grandfather had 12 kids, had 59 grandkids, had 110 great-grandkids. So we, we had a crew. Okay, so it was a, you just, you just kind of, you just, I didn't know any better. I was raised in this intergenerational world. I was, my dad coached baseball teams. My brothers were eight and six years older than me. I was the bat boy for them when I was like five and six years old. So I grew up around these older guys. Now that can be a negative, obviously, in some forms, but on other forms it's not. You just didn't know any better. This is what life was like, and I find out later it's not really what life is like for most people. First time ever, we have seven generations above ground at the same time. Read a passage of scripture for you last week, Psalm 145, four, one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. Seven generations now, you may or may not know what those are, and you may or may not even put much stake in it if I show it to you. But the seven, starting with the greatest generation, more from 1901 to 1927, obviously not many of those left, lived through World War, lived through World War I and fought in World War II. Now, think about that. The builder generation born in the Depression and went all the way to their adulthood through World War II. You think your life rough. <laughs> but they were the builder generation, and we all have our own con Everything's in context, obviously. But then the baby boomers come along and solved everything. <laughs> or we thought we were going to. The leaders of the counterculture, the Gen Xers, Millennials, Gen Z, Gen Alpha. Different life experiences, growing up in different ways. There's a significant difference, as I said last week, between a multi-generational church, which is the high majority of most churches, and an intergenerational church, which very few are trying to do intentionally. 
Now, part of that's numerically. Part of that, there's a lot of reasons that may be the case, but, but it's obvious. And as I shared with you last week, the article from the Atlantic, Why American Teens Are So Sad, which jumped between 60 and 70% over the last decade of hopelessness and sadness, almost 60 to 70%. And I don't, just don't think that's some theory out there. I think when you look around experientially and you see it, see it around you. Judges chapter 2, 7 and 8, verse 10. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. After that, the whole generation had been gathered to their, after, after the, that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, they died. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Sobering. How does that happen? Christine Kane says this. They had seen the miracles of God, countless signs and wonders, and winning so many victories, but somehow or another, the next generation didn't get it. By God's grace, they had defeated the Amalekites, crossed the Jordan River on dry ground, saw the walls of Jericho come down, and even saw the sun stand still. Yet after all of these miracles that showed the power and provision of a mighty God, the next generation, an entire generation, did not know the Lord or the work he had done for Israel. If 10 years... This last 10 years brings up hopelessness and sadness by 60 to 70%. What will the next 10 years do? Unless we decide to step into it. You see, you mean me? You mean, you're talking about me? I'm at the church. Then you can decide whether that's me or not. No body of believers is more than one generation away from extinction. Where the fire is out, life is gone. Fresh wind, fresh fire. Herb McManus says this in his message, and many of you know, if you've been around renovation, he says this in his, his message, Battle Ready. He said that trusting God is just one generation away from disappearing. What the generation before you did will not strengthen your faith the way that what your generation does. You have to step into the challenges in front of you now. You have to decide this is your fight. If you don't have to face any battles, you don't have to learn how to trust. As I said last week, I think one of the biggest things missing in the last 10 years and will be if we're not careful missing forward are the missing is the stories of faith and transformation that are being handed down. And I mean even up-to-date, current, it's happening now in my life kind of stories. Yes, you can go back 10 years. You can go back like I do often, about 30 years when I gave my life to Christ. Sure, I can share that. But man, if that's all that ever happens, kind of like on your wedding day, if it's your highlight and that's it of your last 30 years, you're in trouble. 
If there's one thing, and I, again, I said this last week, if there's one thing about renovation that we would be known for, is that we believe the good news of Jesus Christ is intended to have an impact upon your life. It's not just a theology to be believed. It is a relationship with God that revolutionizes a person's life. The Christian is different according to the Bible. And that difference has radical transformational implications. It is not just cosmetic ones. We need to tell and be taught how to tell those stories. We need to be so taught and so on fire for the Lord as we can't help but tell those stories. We're just looking for that window. We're not with the blowhorn on the corner yelling turn or burn. But in our spirits, we can't wait for that little crack, that little opening, that little pause. It's just to share simply and calmly but with excitement and joy about the work that Christ has done in our lives. And what's so awesome is I can take your story and now it's part of my story because we're in this thing together. So I can tell people what happened to Brandon as part of my story because it's all connected together. We have the opportunity today, you'll get an opportunity to meet Brandon and Adrian Lane and Carter and Wyatt. That's my favorite part. Uh, we're talking to them and hopeful and praying that they are going to be a part of our team real soon. And so I hope you get a chance to meet them today. And, uh, but transformational stories. Radical. Unfortunately, in many churches, and I was part of it to some degree, but I was very intentional the other way, as many of you have ever part of our youth group, we were, we were extremely intentional intergenerational. But unfortunately, in many churches, we separate them out. Junior high, senior high get moved out. And what happens is all they know by the time they graduate is youth group or young life or something. They don't know what church is. They don't know what it's like to be intergenerational. They don't know what it's like to be a part of it. And so now they wander around for how long after they get out of high school trying to figure out how do I fit into this thing because all I know is youth group or young life or something. The Fuller uh, 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 Seminary did a research a few years ago called Sticky Faith talking about that, and I think I mentioned it last week, one of the number one things for young people to stay in their faith is they connect with older people, hear their stories, hear their ups and downs, not just their victories, but their, their flat sides. And to be a part of a worship service, to be a part of doing things together. Not just waiting for someday, day, but today. Years ago, I had a, uh, we had a lot of students in our youth group at Crossroads. We brought 100 students up on the stage. I was preaching, talking, and my sermon was, you're, you're, we're losing them. That was the sermon. 
where statistics, and I say the statistics are probably higher today, between 50 and 60% of young people who, who are raised in the church will not come back to church. That should be troubling. I'm guessing it's higher, like I said, today. But what I had, what we did was, as part of an illustration, we had on them stretched across the, 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 uh, the platform, 100 students, and I didn't know who, who was and who wasn't. They, I think they kind of drew a number or whatever. And so they got up there, and I said, and, I, and when I said what I said, 60% of them turned their backs. As a visual, when I turned around to look at it, two of my children had their backs turned. Obviously, they drew a number. Not theologically sound. I get it. <laughs> but it was sobering. Shared experiences. Those who know us, we do intergenerational mission trips. And one of the things I have to tell the adults who are going with teenagers, we're not just trying to finish the job. And hopefully we can. But this is about building relationships. So you're going to have to slow down. You're going to have to put a paintbrush in somebody's hand that you're going, this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> Teach them. Teach them. Put a power tool in their hand. and you know, Put a power tool in their hand. They've never had one in their hand. Show them how to use it. Just don't let them cut off any members of their body or whatever. But, but show them how, yeah, it's going to take longer. Yeah, they didn't cut it right. They didn't measure it right. Measure twice, cut once, right? Okay, but let's do this. But it's going to take longer. But you're advancing further. When you put a hammer in one hand and a brush in the other and you mix those ages together, it is unbelievable what can happen in that group. The shared experiences, sweating together, laughing together, accomplishing together. Shared experiences, which is unfortunate. Did you know that, again, I, this is a few years ago statistics. I'm sure it has not changed, but I'm confident, but I could look it up. I hadn't looked it up. But a few years ago, the two highest rated groups of people as far as suicide is adolescent girls and middle-aged men. Shared experiences. Shared, unfortunately, common things. Different reasons, no doubt. The middle-aged men are more successful. Or you're going to look at it the way, unsuccessful, meaning they're able to go, they got more means to carry it out. One of the lessons I've been able to teach young people over the years and other adults, because, because of lessons I've learned. <laughs> Is it, you're not entitled to much. When you get older and you figure out, because if you go into it thinking that the world owes you something or the universe owes you something, you're going to be rudely awakened. And it's going to cause depression. And it's going to cause a lot of other things that you didn't really have to suffer because you went into the world thinking that you are. Let me tell you what, entitlement steals joy. It's a joy killer because you're never grateful. But somehow or another you're entitled to this? 
Parents, I know you don't like me. But watch it. A little bit of discomfort's not bad. But here's the deal. It goes both ways. Where this, I've got this conduit up here. I probably, I, I, I might as well get out the illustration since I was, I'm not bringing people up here. The conduit's pur- purpose is not the source of the power. It's to protect the power from being damaged. We are conduits. From really young to senior. (laughs) We've got to learn how to protect this. And what AC and AC is it's going back and forth. That power is going back and forth. It's not just one way. Oh, well, you're, you're 85. Well, I'm the, yeah, I, can't, I can't learn anything from a 13-year-old. But if we're the conduit, it's going back and forth, right? We're protecting it. So... Renovation should be a place where a 16-year-old and a 36-year-old and a 66-year-old can all sit down together and have shared experiences. We're intentional about that. A few years ago, we did something that was embarrassing to some. No, just kidding. But a video. But the tension behind this was not only the fact of saying we have a story to tell, but that we tell this story together. Why don't you show that video and we're going to close. So today, we are continuing in our tradition of IGN groups. Not as good as Fazoli's again last week, but again, I go back to that. I love McManus's statement on the great concern. He says, would you step up and take on this battle? God wants us to teach us how to fight so generations from now will know what the church was alive, that the church was alive and well, filled with faith and courage. Is it reasonable that a small church like Renovation could help impact and change a generation? The answer is, obviously no, if God's not in it. But see, our God is not reasonable. (laughs) He is not reasonable. He expands our vision beyond anything we could imagine. But one of the things that's been a part of a tradition of renovation since really day one, covid Took a shot at it, but didn't kill it. And so we're bringing it back today. You're going to have an opportunity to go to the gymnasium, which is directly behind. It's, it's the largest building on the campus, height-wise, I think. Maybe not, but it's the furthest one west. And uh, you've got two choices. If it's easier, you can go this way, but you'll go out the north side, and you'll go down that walkway back to the back building. You'll get there, and when you get there, there's a table. And in that t- on that table will be basically six age groups, 
when you get to that age group, pick a number, and you will go set in the circle of six chairs that's already been set up in the gymnasium. Those who have done it before know the drill, but, but so you help those who haven't, okay? But there will be people back there to direct you how to do that, and uh, you're saying, you know what? And I, and I will say this. If, if, if still concerns around COVID and those kind of things, I still understand that, so don't feel obligated. We're trying to push somebody into something they don't want to be a part of or make you feel guilty. But if that's not a concern at this point, we would love for you to be a part of that because we do believe, and I've seen it for 30 years of ministry, intergenerational, you can't replace it. There's nothing else like it. It's hard to do online, I'll be honest with you. I'm not saying we don't do online. We try, and we be praying for Ricardo today because his back's hurt. He's our online pastor, and he's not here today. But outside of that, I'm saying we try to do that, but you do miss something. And so we are going to head back there, and we're going to ask you uh, that what will be. There will be five questions. They're simple questions. You didn't have to study for it. I sh- you didn't say, well, I wish I'd had the questions last night. I'd worked harder on this. You didn't have to, okay? You did not have to, okay? But we are going to let you hear from other generations. And then after that, we want you to stay with us for dinner on the grounds. It's just, we're just going to ask you to pick up a chair and take it to a table. So it's not complicated, okay? And so, and it's, um, yeah, and like Dana said, it smells great back there. Actually, my house smells that way too. So it started there <laughs> early this morning. Uh, part of it, anyway, did. But anyway, <clears throat> you won't be long. We'll probably be back, back there for, uh, to, for 20 minutes or so, 25 minutes in the groups. Uh, but again, I want to say this also, if you're young, married, or engaged also, next, next uh, Saturday night, 5.30 at our house, I see Colton, Colton, would you stand real quick? If you're in that and you're, you don't know Colton, he's kind of, he and some are kind of heading that up, but you can catch Colton. I didn't have to. <laughs> we'll clap for him too, but, but anyway, uh, uh, so he's been kind of the contact for that, so we're doing that next week. And would love to have as many who could be there for that also. But young married, again. And so now, what we're going to ask you to do, stand. I'm going to pray for us. And uh, I hope you'll stick around. And I hope you'll stick around for dinner on the grounds. We've got plenty of food, plenty of space. But anyway, Lord, we ask you right now to be in our fellowship. Lord, I know right now we've, uh, we've information that may or may not be of interest to people about generational those things are interesting to me but lord i hope and pray though more than that the concept of intergenerational as far as groups it's your church that we are most interested in and that we want to be one of one body one mind for your glory and lord i just pray even in these groups today there will be something that, that as we tell our little bit of our story and a little bit of our our, our, our journey that just looking across the circle there will be something that says okay I'm part of something bigger and it's good Lord I pray over our meal pray over all that we'll be doing today and, and we pray this in your name Jesus Amen and Amen